0: This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Like all public radio stations, WDFH depends on financial support from our listeners. Please visit WDFH.org and click on Donate to make your tax-deductible gift. Shows like this can't be done without your support. Thanks, and now, Outcasting.
1: This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson Valley's only youth-run radio show, dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles and favorite Pokémon. Where well, you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of WDFH FM 90.3 in Austin, New York, and on the net at wdfh.org, community public radio for New York's Lower Hudson River Valley. Hi, I'm George in a moment, Shiva and Nora will talk with David Diamond, a volunteer with the Westchester chapter of PFLAG. We'll also hear a song from a local LGBT teen musician and discuss online comments responding to an article about outcasting that was published in the Journal News.
2: Hi, I'm Beth Shiva And I'm Nora. We're talking today with David Diamond, a volunteer of the Westchester chapter of PFLAG. Parents, friends, and family of lesbians and gays. PFLAG is a national nonprofit organization with over 350 affiliates in the United States and other chapters around the world. What does PFLAG do?
0: PFLAG has uh, three uh, main uh, focuses, I guess is the best way to say it, Uh, education, advocacy, and support. Uh so one of the things that PFLAG as a national organization does is it prepares and publishes uh pamphlets and flyers uh and and educational material to educate the public in general and also the LGBT community on uh issues that relate to being an LGBT person uh, in the United States today. The advocacy it takes its form in PFLAG parents are, are generally are, are very good and very vocal advocates for their children and the needs of their LGBT children. And they will, um, meet with, uh, uh, politicians and legislators and, and other folks who are in positions of decision-making power and talk about the issues that are important to them and to their families. And then support takes its form, in our case in Westchester, in a in a monthly support meeting for uh, parents and family members and, and friends. And really, we get a, a wide range of folks who come to talk about the issues that are presenting themselves uh, on, a, on a day-to-day basis.
2: Who usually comes to be flag meetings?
0: Um that's kind of a surprise every month and it's always a pleasant surprise we have a number of folks who are regulars who have been attending meetings uh for some uh, as much as 20 years and then uh, a number of folks are in the 3 to 7 year range uh and then almost every month we have one or two Sometimes three or four families uh, who are new to the meetings and are coming to check us out. Uh, their their child has. Uh, it's generally their, their their child has just come out to them, uh, and they are looking for help and support and, and answers or or confirmation that they're doing the things the right way.
2: Let's say a child comes out to his or her parents. What are common occurrences when parents new to the, new to the meeting discover P flag or are guided by their children to participate?
0: The coming out. For families, process usually follows uh, a couple of different patterns. I guess is the best way to say it. Um, uh, We're getting now more parents who are discovering uh, that their child is, uh, I guess, exploring their their sexuality uh, uh, on the internet or or through uh, left open diaries and those kinds of things. And sometimes those are kind of normal natural discoveries and conversations and and sometimes young people are, are engaged in more risky kinds of behaviors in terms of talking to people online which really has parents very very upset uh, so they come to us for that kind of support a lot of times parents will say you know I knew all along and I think it's it's that happens and it's also very easy to be able to go back in your mind and, and remember specific incidents uh, from from a, a uh your child's uh, growing up and and point to them as indicators of their of their gender identity um, or or sexual orientation. Sometimes it's the hindsight that makes you put the pieces into place. Many parents say they they are not surprised, and then there's a percentage of parents who are who are very surprised because their t- child does not fit the stereotype of a lesbian or 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 a gay person, and and they they are are really shocked when that information comes to light.
2: For new parents possibly looking at the organization, what is the meeting experience supposed to be like?
0: Well, we try and make the meetings as, um, friendly or amenable to, to people who are new to the meeting as possible. And, and that's a really tricky balance because you're trying to make people feel, um, comfortable that they, that they've stepped outside of their comfort zone and they're trying to do something that may be very, very difficult for them. And on the other hand, um, make it seem warm and welcoming and inviting. What we try and do is, you know, greet new people. Uh, everybody wears a, uh, a a name badge so that we can uh, call people by their first name. Um, we tell people that they don't have to use their real first name if they don't want to, but they do have to answer the, the name they put on their name badge. We sit in a circle. Um, there's nothing in the middle of the circle except the box of tissues, which uh, gets used um, more frequently than you might think because these are our emotional issues and not always emotional issues about uh, that person's child. We go around the circle to introduce ourselves. Um, people are, uh, said so they can, uh, introduce themselves if they want to, but they can pass if they want to. Usually folks add one or two facts about them. So, um, people will tell, talk about how many children they have and, you know, if any of them are gay or uh, married or any of those kinds of things. We start by, uh, Reading the mission of PFLAG so people know that it's an education support and advocacy group and that we have two ground rules. One is that there's a, an assumption of confidentiality and that what's said in the room stays in the room so that you don't have to worry that your story is going to be um discussed outside of the room. And then the other is that we respect uh, what's being said because everybody comes from a different place and we want to encourage people who are new to talking about LGBTQ issues who may not use, uh, the terms, uh, in, in, in the politically correct or, or socially acceptable ways so that we let folks say what they need to say in the way they need to say it. And then the group is really wonderful about gently correcting or, or, um, suggesting other ways of saying things. We've done, um, uh, what we kind of call LGBT 101 where we have, I think it's, we're up to 36 terms now with definitions that are attached to them. And so we'll split up the group into two kind of teams. And, and once I will have the words and once I will have the definitions, we'll try and match them up. And, and some of them are pretty easy. And then some of them are, are a little tricky because the, the, the terminology is, is very uh, specific sometimes. We try and make sure that everybody has spoken or has had a chance to speak. The person who is facilitating the meeting tries to make sure that not one person is dominating the conversation, uh, and, and we try not to put too much pressure on one person. We, when we have um, uh, young folks uh, at the meeting, students, uh, the the parents really like to hear from them, and so we try and run a balance of letting um, uh, the the, the 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 children talk about what the issues are, but not putting so much pressure on them uh, or putting them in in an unfair uh, position of having to speak for everyone LGBT in the universe, uh, which is kind of, we're looking, you know, we're all looking for answers. Um, Sometimes the answer is a little slow coming and it's really important not to put that kind of pressure, you know, on a 12 or 13 year old.
2: What advice do you have for parents of LGBTQ youth, regardless of their stance on sexual orientation and gender identity outside of the heterosexual norm?
0: Um, that's a really hard question to answer because everybody comes at this issue from a very very different perspective Um, I I think that one of the things that I, that I found out is, or I, I'm coming to discover is that a lot of people have these conversations at very uh, high emotional energy times. So a lot of these conversations seem to be focused around Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and, and leaving for college and, and coming back from college for the first time. And those are not always the best times to have those discussions because there's other other issues that are um competing with the emotional energy that you need to to have this kind of, of grown-up discussion because no matter what age your child is, when he or she comes out to you, at whatever level they come out to you, it's a grown-up discussion because they're having they're having really grown-up feelings and, and grown-up things are going inside uh, their heads. Um, I think what's important for parents to remember and for their kids to remember is that the person who's coming out, generally speaking, has had a lot of time to process the information and think about it and it's unrealistic to expect uh, a parent to come to that same point instantaneously. So if you've been th- planning your coming out conversation with mom or dad for two weeks or two months or two years, um, to have a, expect a parent to come to that same point after two minutes um, is not necessarily a fair thing. Um, I think parents need to recognize what they are doing that's supportive a lot of time the uh, Children think their parents are not being supportive, but going to a flag meeting, doing the research, um, listening and talking are all things that parents are doing that are, are good and supportive things. Um, parents need to listen a lot. It's really hard not to jump in the conversation and, and give opinions and experiences. Um, and I think the thing that parents often don't understand is that coming out uh, today in 2011 is very different than coming out when they were in high school. So the kinds of things that they're afraid their, their children are going to experience in uh, middle school or high school or college are not the same kinds of coming out experiences that they uh, witnessed or thought they witnessed when they were going to school themselves.
2: We're talking with David Diamond of PFLAG, the parents, friends, and family of lesbians and gays, here on Outcasting. What kind of trans resources does uh, PFLAG provide?
0: Um, PFLAG has a a whole kind of division called TransNet uh, that helps uh, parents uh, understand what's going on with their, their trans child. Um, as I said before, we had, we have a, a growing number of parents of, of trans children who range in age from 13 and 14 in our particular area up to, um, you know, adults, but they're, they're still children of the, of the parents who come. Um, there's a, a growing understanding of, of, of transgender in the United States and, and so there's supports and resources for families with children as young as four, five, and six who, who are coming to understand their child as, as being transgender because it's, it's kind of that clear from that early on in some cases and in some it, it happens much, much later. Um, it's a really hard concept for, uh, people to understand and what I tell f- families all the time is that uh, people generally don't use words to describe themselves unless they feel very, very strongly about them. So it's not something it's to be taken lightly. It's something to, something to, to explore and talk about. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that really comes up quite frequently with uh, parents of transgender children is that they have a really hard time uh, with the change of pronouns from he to she or she to he. And it's a very big deal for the person who's transgender. And what we try and do is kind of uh, recognize when folks are starting to use the the pronouns correctly, and 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 that kind of support and that kind of encouragement and, and education that goes on. We've got a number of publications that we find are taken up a lot. Uh, one of the things that that PFLAG does is that we try and table and, and have information available at a, a number of community events throughout the school uh, throughout the, the year. Um, so there there tend to be a lot of festivals in the summer and fall. And if we're invited and if we're able to come, uh, we have a table with all of our printed information and other area resources, and our donation basket, and um, uh, rainbow wristbands that that we uh, give out um, to help people show their support in a variety of ways.
2: What impact do you think P Flag has had um, throughout its history, and at least within like maybe the past ten years?
0: Um, I think that it's hard to know because it's so uh, pervasive and uh, wonderful and helpful in a, in a variety of different ways. One of the things that, that PFLAG does is they're one of three supporters of PrideWorks, the the Conference for Youth. And um, last year, we had over 600 people in attendance. Uh, we think we're going to have more than that this year. And they've, we've been doing that for, uh, this will be the 13th year. So if you take all of those between 450 and 600 people times 12 years and the information that they brought back to their schools and those people have brought back to their colleagues and their parents and their aunts and uncles. Um, and then how they, those folks have shared just from that one event that's happened for 12 years. Um, the, the, the influences is, is mind boggling and, and incredibly exciting. And, um, and has to have benefited, uh, people in the LGBT community, whether they know it or not. Um, and that's just the one thing. On, on a, on a more, um, uh, personal note, I guess it's really interesting. One of the things that PFLAG does every year, and it, it really doesn't, it, I guess it's, it's a support and advocacy piece, is that, uh, we march in the Pride Parade. And, uh, uh, this year, uh, the parade was right after the uh, uh, same-sex marriage vote happened in in Albany, um, so the energy level of the uh, the crowd was was pretty high. And what's always amazing to me is that when P flag walks by, not only do we get the cheers that a lot of the other groups have, but we have people shouting to us, "Thank you, you know, I wish my my parents could." Could do this, or you mean so much to us, and and they're really heartfelt things that people try and get our attention uh, to say to us because they need to say thank you for for people like just being an organization. I think the the idea that you can be a straight person who um, who supports and 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 who advocates for and who loves their LGBTQ child um, is a message that that counteracts a lot of the, uh, the, the, the nastiness and, and ugliness that comes from other groups, um, who are also, uh, expressing their views. And, um, just the fact that there is this large organization and it's predominantly made up of, of, of straight people. Um, so it's not an LGBT group advocating on, you know, for their own behalf, which has a different power and a different purpose. Um, it, it sends messages, uh, to people in ways that other organizations can't. A lot of our elected officials will tell you that when a PFLAG uh, and usually it's the moms. When a P-Flag mom comes in and talks about their child and, and their child's rights and what their child needs and what their, their action or inaction, uh, means to them, um, it, it's, it's very personal. It's very heartfelt and, and politicians really can't ignore that. One of our P-Flag families has, uh, is a mom who has twins, one of whom is gay and one of whom is straight. And, uh, we do, uh, we've done presentations together. We'll, she'll bring, uh, a picture of them and, and pass it around to the, the people, in, it's a, whether it's a class or an audience, and say, you know, which which of, of the two people in this picture um, is the gay son? And why do you think that? So we get into some stereotypes and, and, and those kinds of things. And then she'll ask the question, which one of them shouldn't be allowed to get married in New York State, for example, before marriage was passed? Which one do you think should have their their rights um Uh, curbed or limited because of who they fall in love with. Uh, And and, and it's just incredibly powerful. And you can almost watch – she's brought people to tears uh, appropriately. And um, you can watch people's kind of minds change as the whole thing happens. David, thank you so
2: much for joining us.
0: It was my pleasure.
2: We've been talking with David Diamond, a volunteer with Westchester Chapter of PFLAG, Parents, Friends, and Family of Lesbians and Gays. PFLAG is a national non-profit organization with over 350 affiliates in the United States and other chapters around the world.
1: This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson Valley's only youth-run radio show, dealing with LGBTQ, struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite Pokemon. We don't have to be queer to be here. Up next, an original song by Jay, a local LGBT teen musician. This is Second Stone. Oh, mm-hmm. Second Stone, by Jay, here on Outcasting. Hi, this is Travis. Today I'm joined by
3: Maddie, George, and Noor, and we're going to talk about an article written about Outcasting in the Journal News. You can read the article at loha.com, and there's a link at wdfh.org. The comment I would like to highlight was written by LibNonsense and said, We need a station that promotes being normal, straight, etc., Too much of this is causing our youth to become freaks, end quote. I think this is interesting that the idea that LGBT youth are freaks exists in the world. And the whole point of outcasting is to avoid people from thinking that LGBT youth are freaks because we're not. We're normal kids. We are a part of society. The idea of someone being normal exists in the minds because, in my opinion, everyone's a unique snowflake and... Everyone has their own quirks. Everyone is kind of a freak in their own special way. You can't really say, oh, that person's normal because they're straighter. That person's normal because they have a regular nine-to-five job. Um, I-, I hope that no one else in the world thinks that LGBT youth are freaks and that one day that idea can be abolished. Nora?
2: I don't want to um, highlight a specific comment, but um, several of the comments came from a very extreme viewpoint that, um, made a point of ostracizing the LGBTQ community, um, and they made a point of sort of putting a barrier between us and them, considering, like Travis said, um, heterosexuals to be normal and anyone who lives outside of that context to be abnormal and to be wrong and disgusting, so on and so forth. And I want to make the point that when that sort of thing happens, it's because Someone feels that they cannot feel um, good about themselves or feel as if they have any sort of power over their own state of being unless there's someone below them and they do that to themselves in a psychological way. And I definitely feel that there is some truth to what they're saying in the sense that someone who comments something like that is sort of subscribing to the belief of uh, sexuality being something disgusting or something shameful when in fact it's completely natural regardless of what your orientation is and that it's very important to educate yourself about the different types of sexuality so you don't end up sounding
1: like a bigot. George? Another user set by the name of Joe26 says, I don't think encouraging teens to come out is a good thing. We know how cruel kids and teens are to each other. Coming out just encourages bullying. They would be better off staying in the closet until adulthood. When their peers have matured enough to be adult about it. Yes, I know, in an ideal world, they should be able to come out whenever. In an ideal world, women could jog in a bikini in Central Park at midnight. We just don't live in that world. I'm sorry. I just want to
3: clarify to anyone that this comment is about coming out. It has nothing to do with the poor jogging conditions of Central Park at midnight, which are really <laughs> cold, and that girl who's jogging hypothetically at midnight could
1: easily catch hypothermia and die. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. The point I was trying to make before, the I agree with, with this, partially what this guy has to say, is that, yes, we don't live in an ideal world. There's no such thing as that. But that doesn't mean we should just give up on teenagers and just say, "Well, we can't really do anything for you because even if you do if you come out, you're going to be bullied." So, sink or swim. That's not how we should be treating it. We should be saying we should give support to these teens who want to come out. If they want to come out, they come out whenever. It shouldn't be they just stay in the closet to adulthood. That that it should be when they feel ready, and, I, and, and we also, should be there to support them. And
2: I'd also like to add that. Um, since the show has just essentially started is that we have a lot of plans for making sure that we provide um, our listeners with um, detailed information as to um, how to know um, when it is appropriate or, si- or even safe to come out, um, especially if you're a teenager or you're in high school or middle school, because obviously not everyone is at least Uh, internally ready to come out and even if you are internally ready to come out it doesn't mean that it's going to be a safe environment for you to come out in so obviously we don't want to tell people don't come out but we want to make sure that we give people information saying basically these are things you should look for in a community or in your household or in your school um, to make sure that you'll be supported when you
1: come out. Yes also sorry Um, one thing I want to say is that it says he also mentions you know when their peers have matured enough to be adult about it, you know that's a thing that some people, as a, as you know, when they're young, will maybe be will be immature about these kind of things and never really learn that kind of right and wrong and grow up to be adults that more or less can be bigots and just kind of the immaturity turns to kind of an uh, a loathe and a hate towards LGBT um, supporters and people of homosexuality and any gender whatsoever Maddie what comment would you like to highlight
3: um well I wanted to highlight a really positive and encouraging one it was left by a user named mohegan lake 77 and it goes quote lmao as soon as I saw the headline I knew that the comment section would be brimming with idiotic statements from those that just can't help themselves you didn't disappoint as for these kids I'm proud of them they are smarter kinder and braver than any cowardly anonymous bigot slinging their hate from behind a screen name. It's just another reminder that we're winning and they're losing. Keep up the good work, guys, end quote. Um, And I just think that that kind of made all of us feel very warm and fuzzy on the inside, and uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for listening to that.
1: That's it for this edition of Outcasting the Lower Hudson Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite Pokemon. We don't have to be queer to be here. If you're having trouble, whether it's at home, at school, or just with yourself, call the Trevor Hotline at 866-488-7386 or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBT youth suicide prevention. Again, the number is 866-488-7386. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. Outcasting is a production of WDFH FM 90.3, Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org, community public radio for New York's Lower Hudson River Valley. For more information on this program and a list of resources, including the Trevor Project Suicide Hotline, visit us at WDFH.org and click on Outcasting. I'm George. Thanks for joining us.
0: If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit WDFH.org and click on Donate. Thanks.